healthy from the inside out. This is Valley Well Valle Salud, a health and wellness information program brought to you by ValleyWise Health and District Medical Group. Each week, we go in-depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to Valley Well Valle Salud. I'm your host, Lauren Vargas. We know a lot more about HIV and AIDS than we used to, but there are still plenty of misconceptions about the virus. So today we're talking about the latest on these conditions and where we stand today. Joining us to discuss is Dr. Ann Kalsa. She's a district medical group physician specializing in HIV AIDS, who also serves as the medical director at Valleywise Community Health Center McDowell. And Dr. Robert Horsley, a district medical group physician at Valleywise Health, also specializing in HIV AIDS. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. So tell me about the Valleywise Community Health Center McDowell. What happens there? So the clinic is, again, specialized in HIV AIDS. Probably 80 to 90% of our patients are infected with HIV, although we also do prevention for HIV negatives. Um, The clinic was founded back in 1989 after the first cases were seen in the Phoenix metropolitan area in roughly 1982. When it started back then, there were 190 patients and six staff members. Now we have over 4,000 patients with more than 50 staff members, including nine specialized providers supported by medical assistants, nurses, behavioral health, case managers, linkage navigators, on-site phlebotomy, on-site pharmacy. It's really a, a totally comprehensive clinic. We take care of not only HIV, which is pretty easy to do now. People are treated and stay successfully uh, treated, as we'll discuss later. But we also provide comprehensive primary care to all of those patients living with the virus. Wow. Would you say you're the largest provider of primary HIV care? In Arizona and Phoenix, yes to both. Wow. That's very impressive. So let's start at the basics, if you will. Can you explain to us what exactly are HIV and AIDS and what's the difference between the two? I can probably jump in here. Uh, So HIV is a virus and when we say someone has hiv they've been infected with this virus which sort of lives in your bloodstream and in the the immune cells um when someone then says they have aids that means that their immune function has gone down significantly enough where either they've passed a certain number on a scale that we use looking at those immune cells where the hiv lives or they've had some kind of infection that shows that their immune system has gone low. So do you have to have HIV in order to get AIDS? Correct. It's like a progression? Correct. So usually you get infected with HIV and then after a certain amount of time. Go ahead, Anne. So yes, indeed, AIDS is just the advanced stage of HIV infection. So everyone with AIDS by definition is HIV positive. However, as opposed to the old days when almost everyone eventually progressed to full-blown AIDS after a period of 10 to 20 years, nowadays no one needs to ever progress to AIDS so long as they get into care, stay in care, take their meds, we can keep people healthy lifelong. That's a very good point. And um, I, I believe it was discovered back in the 80s. Um, where did it actually come from? Do we know? 
Yes, the HIV virus actually uh, comes from two primate viruses, one from chimps and one from apes in Eastern and Western Africa specifically. And a lot of people think, well, humans had sex with primates? No. In the U.S., if people go out hunting for deer, elk, rabbit, whatever, as you, sorry, slaughter the animals, you're going to get blood on your hands. So in Africa, the so-called bushmeat happens to be primates because they're living in jungle areas. And so then as they slaughtered these animals for meat, uh, they got blood on their hands. And this is simply a blood-borne virus. Um, and if you have cuts on your hands or something or touch your face after you've slaughtered the animal, you now have HIV in your body. And in fact, there are old autopsy specimens in labs around the world that have found the presence of HIV infection in persons who died way back in the 40s and 50s. Oh, wow. We just didn't and, know it. And the theory is, is that it could be all the way back to the 1920s where the virus is sort of crossed over from primates to humans. You know, I don't want to speak out of line because I, I'm not a doctor, but from what it sounds like, it does sound a little bit similar to the, the COVID-19 pandemic, how it starts from one source, you know, on the for, for U.S. people on the other side of the world and how quickly it can just spread across the globe like that. Yes, and that speaks to two factors. Many viruses actually do initially come from animals. And the closer we live in contact with nature, if you will, then the more likely we are to come into contact with those viruses. And bats have an extremely high rate of metabolism as they're flapping fast through the air. So if they have viruses in their bodies, it doesn't make them sick. But as human civilizations and populations in, in uh, 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 city areas, metropolitan areas, as they expand out into the nature, surrounding nature, they come into closer contact with those other animals, in this case, bats, which can have droppings, get into the meat sources of other animals that humans then consume, um, and the infection spread. And we see this with all kinds of infections around the world. If you're just tuning in with us, we're talking with Dr. Kalsa and Dr. Horsley about the latest in HIV and AIDS treatment. Valleywise Health is the largest provider of HIV primary care in Arizona. We also offer non-HIV healthcare services at community health centers across Maricopa County. And you can make an appointment with a district medical group provider at Valleywise Health by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book appointment button or by calling 833-855-9973 Mondays through Fridays from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, we've kind of segued into the similarities between the COVID-19 pandemic and um, HIV. So first of all, is HIV AIDS still considered a pandemic or an epidemic? How, what's the difference between those? So if you look at the CDC website, they still they actually refer to it both as an epidemic as a, and a pandemic still. Because sort of as um, we were probably going to get to a little later, um, the infection rate is still pretty high for HIV, both in the United States and in other parts of the world. And so really an epidemic is just an, incre an increased rate of infection of an infectious disease that nor wasn't there at one point in time. And usually that's more of a localized area as an epidemic. Pandemics usually are crossing borders of you know, states, countries, other continents. 
And so HIV is still an issue in the United States, but also in other places in the world, Africa, Asia, Europe, pretty much throughout the entire world. And so we both consider it still an ongoing epidemic and pandemic. Are there any other similarities between the COVID-19 pandemic as it's playing out and, um, you know, HIV AIDS? And maybe we can talk to some of the stigma that, that has come from that and how we overcome that. Certainly people are talking about the similarities uh, as people are stigmatized with, uh, with COVID infection, like, well, I don't want those people in my nursing home or in my community. I don't want a testing center here. I don't want a treatment center here. Stigma is always born out of fear. Fear is always born out of lack of understanding. And HIV in the early days was, of course, very scary because everyone was dying of it. Um, and there was a lot of stigma because it wasn't well understood. And in fact, often still isn't well understood. A broader picture, though, that I would like to underscore that's a similarity between the two is as Dr. Horsley was saying, we still have very high rates of HIV in multiple parts of this country, particularly the Southeast. The locations where HIV prevalence is the highest is also those areas with underserved communities, disadvantaged communities, lack of access to health care, poverty. And we're seeing the same exact thing in COVID. In fact, we see it worldwide, internationally for both infections. And so to me, the similarity is if we really wanted to tackle these various infectious diseases, we really need to get at the core drivers of disease, which is inequality, stigma, poverty. And we have the resources as humans on this planet to do so, but we continue to not have the communal will, leadership and resource allocation to do so. In addition, there's the personal similarity, which is we know how to prevent Corona, wear your darn mask and keep social distancing. Don't go to friends' houses for parties and think that because they're your friends, you're not going to get COVID. It's the exact same thing with HIV. We know how to prevent it, but people continue to think that their friend group is safe to have unprotected sex, even though your friend has, friend, has sex with another friend and he has it with another friend. And, you know, you have this continued transmission. So we have the, the social communal lack of attention to really solve the, the infection. And we have the personal lack of responsibility and commitment. They're analogous. It's human behavior versus infections. So you kind of alluded to this earlier, but what is the latest? What are the rates of infection currently? Are they still fairly high, like you said, or? So the last data I've seen from the CDC was 2017, and that's about 38,000 new cases in the U.S. of HIV diagnosed. So that's per year. Per year, and that's been holding steady right around 38,000 for years. So it's not something we're necessarily expecting to change coming with new data. They're always a, at least a couple years behind on getting all that data out. And that's noteworthy because back maybe 10, 15 years ago, the rates were in the 50,000 per year. <laughs> Now they're, they're stalled at 35 to 40,000 a year, when in fact, we know how to prevent this. People can take a preventative pill, kind of like a birth control pill of one tablet a day, or use condoms. We know how to prevent these, and yet it's not happening. So the it, rates continue, and we're seeing the same at our clinic. We see lots of people coming into our clinic every week, newly infected, or they lose their insurance and transfer to us. 
I also liken it sort of to our masks, right, for COVID. We know that this helps prevent the spread of COVID. We know that pre-exposure prophylaxis, which is what Dr. Kalsa was alluding to, prevents infection with HIV. And so people just need to be more on board with sort of that personal responsibility part of being able to do things to help them stay safe. District Medical Group providers Dr. Kalsa and Dr. Horsley are answering your top questions about HIV and AIDS treatment. If you need to make an appointment uh, with Valleywise Health, you can call 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or you can visit us online at valleywisehealth.org. So we've talked about sex. How else can someone get HIV? Oh, sorry. Did you want to pause for a second? I I was just going to say, Lauren, I wanted to, to uh, chime in on your comment about making appointments across Valleywise. While, while we are considered one of the community health centers and we specialize in HIV, we are partnered with, it, it depends on the number depending on the expansion of the clinics, but roughly 10 other, eight to 10 other family health centers of Valleywise throughout the greater metropolitan area. We now have a new program across Valleywise AIDS or Valleywise Health in the last six to 12 months called opt out testing. So patients, persons, anybody can go to these outlying clinics and request a rapid same day HIV test to find out if they have the infection or if they're negative and don't have recent risk factors, they can go on to that prevention that Dr. Horsley was mentioning, which is called PrEP pre-exposure prophylaxis, one pill once a day to prevent HIV. And we're now providing that service at all of the Valleywise centers, both the emergency rooms and the clinics, to get same-day testing and then either get on to prevention or get linked over to us for treatment. We've also trained those outlying providers to start treatment the same day when it's appropriate. And so you were, I think, getting to what's new in HIV. And because the focus now is on trying to end this epidemic, which means see the, the decline and uh, cessation of new cases, the goal is now prevention and rapid treatment. And rapid treatment means just that, get your test and get onto medication that same day, because we now know if you get onto treatment the same day, you actually can stop your risk of ever developing AIDS and you can live a normal lifespan. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, I didn't realize that McDowell wasn't the only place for HIV treatment at Valleywise Health. And that also brings up a good point that um, we have a lot of telehealth uh, services. Um, so you don't even need to leave your house. You can get your health care from the comfort of your home or wherever you're located within Arizona. Um, so other than sex that we've talked about, how else can someone get HIV? So the most likely case would be sex or um, sharing needles with IV drug use. Um, those are really by far the most common. There's other sort of outlying things. So like needle sticks, so people working in healthcare or even not working in healthcare, but there was some contaminated needle that they accidentally got stuck with. Um, you know, there's outlying cases of, you know, bad practices at certain tattoo parlors. I've had a couple patients come in with that have actually made news in local areas. Um, other ideas. Oh, um, so 
can be in breast milk as well, especially if they're vi if the mom's viral load is detectable. So either just passing it on if their viral load is detectable, so their HIV is not treated during pregnancy or after pregnancy and they're breastfeeding. Are there any misconceptions out there? I'm sure there are misconceptions out there, but like HIV living on surfaces that you can, you know, get from a public restroom, that kind of thing. So HIV is a pretty fragile virus, actually. Um, let's say I have a patient who's cooking dinner and they cut their finger on the cutting board and there's blood on the cutting board. As soon as the air hits it, it doesn't actually die. Many people think that as soon as it's exposed to the air, it dies. It doesn't. Once it's dry, it'll probably die, but you do actually need to spray down a surface with whatever disinfectant, 409 or whatever, and let it sit there for 60 seconds to kill the virus. But toilet seats, you'd have to be doing some pretty interesting maneuvers to really come into contact with the virus. It is not readily transmitted from intact skin to intact skin. So the backs of your thighs aren't going to pick up HIV from sitting on a toilet seat. Um, I've also had uh, some patients who received, uh, got their HIV infection from mucosal exposure, from snorting cocaine with either a rolled dollar bill, a piece of paper, or a cocktail straw, where you ram that device up your nostril and it hits the, the wall in the middle of your nose and bleeds, uh, and then you pass that straw to the next person. So this is really just a body fluid disease. Another common misconception is a lot of people think that it only comes from semen in terms of sex with a male, but HIV negative uninfected males can totally get HIV from an infected HIV positive female through regular vaginal sex. It may not occur as readily as anal sex, which bleeds more, but you can still totally get it. Another common misconception is if someone looks fine, they don't have HIV. Or the, some young folks will think, ah, HIV was back in the 80s and 90s. I'm not sleeping with 50 and 60-year-olds. So with my fellow people of my generation, 20 and 30s, I'm not going to get it, which is totally false. And I think another misconception that I've been seeing a little more often is um, pe heterosexual people don't get HIV. That's incorrect. No matter what gender or sexual orientation you are, you can get HIV. Yeah, this is really just a body fluid disease. Sorry, I interrupted Lauren. And worldwide, for example, on the African continent, it is much more uh, of a heterosexual disease. Um, in terms of their rates of HIV infection, it's well over 50% heterosexual. And the only reason that it took off in the, in the gay community in the US is really just the timing with the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s and 80s. Uh, and the only way it really jumped continents was international airplane travel. Oh, wow. So it's just about social contact modalities and how they played out on the different continents. If you're just joining us, District Medical Group providers, Dr. Ann Kalsa and Dr. Robert Horsley are answering our questions about HIV AIDS and the latest in treatment. You can book an appointment with ValleyWise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or visit valleywisehealth.org. I wanna bring in our audio producer, Chencho Flores now. He uh, has a couple questions for you guys. 
Hi, so my question is about um, probably the most famous person we know who had HIV or has, um, Magic Johnson. Was it, how helpful was it, uh, I mean, not, not saying that him getting it was helpful, but how helpful was it having someone of his stature to kind of uh, break down some of the stigma or, or did that help at all, um, having him come out and be so public about it? I think historically it was very helpful because again, in the beginning, people really looked at this as, as a disease of either uh, gay men or injection drug users, and magic is neither. In addition, unfortunately, the African-American community has been extremely disproportionately affected by HIV. In fact, over the course of a gay black man's life in the U.S., one in two are expected to end up with HIV, which is atrocious. In Hispanics, it's one in five. In whites, it's one in 11. So again, it's it's disproportionately affects communities of color, especially the African-American community. And while I said gay African-American men, a lot of communities of color do not accept gay lifestyles. And so a lot of uh, men who in fact, their orientation or preference may be other men, they are living married lives. And so having someone in the black community with prominence and of, whose stature is, is prominent and respected really opens up the discussion for the community to realize, oh my God, we are at risk. Let's see what we can do to take precautions. I think that brings up an interesting point that there hasn't been, it seems in popular culture, someone similar to magic recently. And so in my experience, I'm a newer HIV provider, actually. And when I tell people, oh, I work at an HIV clinic, they're like, that's still around. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's probably one of the more important things to take away from this is that we need to make it aware to everyone that HIV is still an issue. There's ways to prevent it and there's ways to treat it, but you still need to be aware of it. And linking into Dr. Horsley's comment, we at the McDowell Clinic because we are part of the Phoenix uh, citywide effort to get 90% of people living with HIV diagnosed, 90% of them into care, and 90% of them on medication and virally suppressed, which leads to them not being able to transmit to others. Part of the citywide effort of being a fast track city is to make sure that everyone is rapidly linked into care and started on treatment. It's called the Rapid Start Initiative. And McDowell is a prominent part of that. And so we have been receiving up to 30 patients per week at the McDowell Clinic as either those who are newly diagnosed and immediately linked to care, or again, they've lost insurance and they transfer to us. But the sad thing is since HIV is pre preventable, and I've been doing this 30 years, it makes me very sad every time I see a newly infected person in their 20s or 30s who never needed to get HIV. It is so preventable, one pill once a day or condoms, it's not that big a deal. And yet we still keep seeing new infections occurring on a regular basis. Do you think people would be surprised to know how much treatment has changed in the last 30 years? I think partially. I mean, there's a lot of commercials on TV now that advertise how it is just one pill once a day, and that's true, it's very easy. But two things I still see in new patients, and Dr. Horsley, you can speak to this as well. Um, some of the young persons, and 
I'm old enough to call people in their 20s young. Um, but some of them come in and think, eh, so I get a shot of penicillin for syphilis, I take some pills for chlamydia, big deal, I get HIV, I take a pill. Yeah, but you're going to take a pill for the rest of your life. Um, and then I have other people whose mindset is still back in the 80s where they think HIV is a death sentence, which it isn't. And so a sad thing is I often see people who are older with old misconceptions coming in with full-blown AIDS because they have avoided the diagnosis and treatment which again is completely unnecessary. That's sad to hear. Um, like yeah. you said, it's completely preventable and it's no longer a death sentence when you get that diagnosis. So how does someone's life change um, after that diagnosis? I, from what I have seen, the biggest transition, especially for our young people coming in as newly diagnosed, is that they're engaged in medical care a lot more than they would be if they never got the diagnosis. And that's probably the biggest challenge besides taking one pill once a day, which for some people, you know, they're used to taking nothing, right? And so that's the first hurdle is medication. And the second hurdle is they are going to see us initially, usually like the initial visit and then in a month. And then after that, probably every three or four months for a year or two. And then we can space it out to every six months or so. But that every three or four months, that's still getting labs, making sure the virus is getting under control, making sure there's everything else from a health perspective is taken care of. Because, you know, we're, we're comprehensive. We take care of all of your medical issues. So make sure your blood pressure is doing good, your cholesterol, your, your sugar, everything. So if you have diabetes, we help you take care of that too. So in addition to having to find having to be committed to staying in healthcare on a regular basis, lifelong, as opposed to saying, eh, I'm healthy, I'm not going to see a doctor till I'm 40 or 50. That's one shift. The other shift is emotionally. A lot of people still really struggle with the diagnosis. They think it means they're dirty or bad or people won't accept them or that they'll never find anyone to have a relationship with again. A lot of people come in really depressed that their life is over and they're very surprised when they come to terms with it themselves. I have lots of people who were despondent and depressed and are now happily married, heterosexual or gay. In addition, people think they can't have families and HIV is not transmitted from either sperm or egg. It's only transmitted from the mother's blood either during pregnancy or labor and delivery or breast milk, which we recommend not breastfeeding. So if the mom's virus is controlled in her blood, we're not seeing transmission to the babies. The rate is well less than 2%, really close to zero, but there can be complications. But I haven't seen a positive baby born to a positive mother in years if they were suppressed on treatment. So your life is not over but you really have to come to terms and accept yourself and be okay with it and really advocate for yourself with others and people who are too afraid to ever get past their own stigma and biases. Well, they're probably not going to be the people in your life, but there are many people who can grasp the bigger picture and realize you are not contagious to hug and kiss, to share meals with, to have sex with, if you're on your treatment, you can go on and have a normal life and this is totally treatable. There's so much hope that you're talking about here. So the, the worst thing you can do is not get treatment after that diagnosis because you can definitely manage this and have a very fulfilling 
you know, thriving life. Valleywise Health is the largest provider of HIV primary care in Arizona. We also offer um, HIV healthcare services at community health centers across Maricopa County, as well as non-HIV healthcare services. You can make an appointment with a district medical group provider by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or visit us online at valleywisehealth.org. So, um, how long does it take for HIV symptoms to appear? So again, there's a sort of a misconception. People can live with HIV, an HIV infection for years or even decades with zero symptoms. They're sort of the stereotypical right after being infected, you may have sort of a flu-like illness, sort of body aches, maybe a fever, sort of an upper respiratory sort of viral infection. But not everybody experiences that. And then you can go on for years feeling fine, not doing anything. And meanwhile, the virus is replicating in your blood, attacking your immune system and bringing your immune system down. And bringing that immune system down puts you at risk of other infections that your body cannot mount an immune response to sometimes. That's usually when we start thinking of the AIDS part of it. And that's when you have infections that are hiding and you're feeling fine. Another difference that I've seen is while in the 80s and 90s, in the early part of the epidemic, it typically took 10 to 15 years before people progressed to immune system decline to a level where they were at risk for these AIDS-related infections. We are beginning to see a shift in the pattern, and now there is a second pattern where some people go from uninfected two or three years ago at their last test to coming in within two or three years with symptoms and immune system status of actual AIDS. So some people are progressing more quickly. So you really wanna get tested regularly if you're having high risk behavior and preferably if you get tested, you're still negative, but you're still having high risk behavior, please get on to prevention so you never have to have HIV. But if you already have HIV, please, please, please come into treatment because we can keep you healthy. That's what I was going to say is it's probably hard to know when to come in for testing, but you just have to be very aware um, about your, you know, social behaviors and, you know, might as well get tested if you think you might have been exposed. Most tests will become positive, sorry, Dr. Horsley, within about three weeks after contact. So if you've had unprotected contact and you get a test three weeks later and you're negative, we'll give you prevention if you've had no other con uh, infection, uh, contact in between. But yeah, you, you can become positive within three weeks. And that's a similar misconception. We're talking about this. People think when they come in and they are, they're infected for the first time, I'll be able to be like a CSI investigator and figure out when they were infected with HIV. The only thing I can tell you is sometime between the last time you were negative and now when you were positive. Besides that, I can't tell you if it's years, decades, I don't know. Wow. Yeah, there is no way to determine that at all. So what are the, are the symptoms different for men and women? No, no, the only, the only real difference is women have some different anatomy that may give us different infections like uh, yeast infections, you know, genital rate related things, but nothing else is different. The rate of progression may be a little different uh, in terms of what our lab values show, but no, the infections you can get, they're the same. 
Okay, so what are the first steps that someone should take after their diagnosis? They need to get linked to care, and that often depends on your insurance status. Um, so there's kind of four levels of insurance. I'll make it really quick. Private commercial insurance uh, and Medicaid and or Medicare. But then there is Obamacare marketplace, and then there is a federal program called Ryan White. So if someone gets, someone gets diagnosed and they have no insurance whatsoever, there is the Ryan White program, which will cover them until they get connected to whatever level of insurance they are eligible for, whether they are here legally in the, in the United States or not, whether they're employed or not, and then depending on their income level. But there is treatment available and insurance coverage for absolutely everyone. So the Ryan White, to enroll in Ryan White, the uh, community agency that does the eligibility and gets people into care is called the Ryan White Central Eligibility Office. It happens to be co-located at the case management agency called Care Directions, which is located in the Area Agency for Aging on Thomas and 13th Street. So if people just remember Ryan White, which is a federal program named after a kid who had stigma back in the 80s, that is a federal program that can cover anyone with HIV, no matter your insurance status. And if you just Google search Ryan White services in Phoenix, you will get to that phone number. Excellent. And so, they're usually the people you would contact also if you're moving to a new state and need to find a provider, they can hook you up with a provider. Um, so that would probably be the, the one place to go to to get enrolled and started on treatment. So people, also, you know, you're not alone, get tested, get access to care, get connected to care. Um, how, how do you stay healthy? Um, is it different than a person without HIV? Do you need to adjust your lifestyle? Yes and no. I mean, you take a pill every day. Okay. The pill side effects are negligible now. They're minimal. But HIV can cause your body to age a little faster. So it's actually more important once you have HIV to take better care of your health than we often do. Focus on diet and nutrition and exercise. Keep yourself overall healthy and you'll do just fine. I've got people winning triathlons with HIV. So your life is definitely not over. That's awesome to hear. Um, you know, this conversation is so much more hopeful um, than I anticipated. And I really like that a lot. Yeah, HIV has really turned around, and those of us who work in HIV do so because we are so passionate about seeing people remain healthy and have a positive, healthy, happy life. As we kind of wrap up, is there anything that you want the public to know about HIV and AIDS, you know, or, or what can people do to help? Well, I think piggybacking on what Dr. Kalsa was saying, no one in the United States should be going without meds that's HIV positive because we have these systems set up in place for people who can't afford it, don't have insurance. There's a way to get you covered. And I think that's the main thing to take away from this is that there's a way to get you into treatment without it costing an arm and a leg. And the other thing is HIV is completely treatable. You don't have to think you're going to progress to AIDS or die. And even if you come in and you already have advanced immunosuppression with AIDS, the majority of the time we can totally treat that and reverse it. Uh, 
So it's treatable. It's also preventable. So if you possibly could already have HIV and you test negative, you don't need to ever get HIV. We can help you prevent it. So it's, tr it's treatable, it's preventable, and you can always get coverage for care. Dr. Ann Kalsa and Dr. Robert Horsley, District Medical Group Physicians at Valley Wise Health. Thank you both so much for your time today. A really interesting conversation. I, I really enjoyed it. Thank, thank you, you, Laura. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed listening to Valley Well Via Salute, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valley Wise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. There you'll find blogs and videos from our healthcare providers, and you can even book an appointment at a Valleywise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.